0: Um, We have been going for the last few months through this uh, series called Upside Down Kingdom, which is basically a set of teachings Jesus is giving his disciples um, right before he sends them into the world to be people that live different, people that will be in the world but not of the world. Uh, This section of Scripture is known as the Sermon on the Mount, and it goes from Matthew chapter 5 all the way to Matthew chapter 7. And as I mentioned before, today we're talking about prayer. And this is the second time Jesus talks about prayer in this sermon. The question that I'm asking today, though, is the the simple answer. The simple question is this. What is prayer? And I think it's a good question because we all have different opinions about what prayer is. And I think that this text is going to tell us that prayer is three things. It's an intelligent response. Number two, it's a persistent dissatisfaction. And number three, it's a confident confession. Intelligent response, persistent dissatisfaction, and confident confession. Do me a favor look at the person next to you, if you have someone next to you, and ask the question Do you like to pray? Now, if you feel uncomfortable, you don't have to ask the question. (laughs) Let's go with the first one, an intelligent response. Let me ask you this. What makes the prayer of a Christian completely different to any other prayer people make? What makes the prayer of a Christian completely different to any other prayer people make? Because I know you know that Praying is not unique to Christianity. Like all major religions in the world, pray. Muslims pray five times a day. Jewish people traditionally pray three times a day. Hinduism, people pray for help and peace regularly. Even non-religious people pray. They pray to a higher power, whatever that might be. People pray simply as a religious experience or to connect with something divine, whatever that might be. Some people pray even if they don't believe in anything. Just because prayer is something that comes natural to all of us. I think that a good example of this is Sam Smith, this British singer. About two years ago, he wrote a very interesting song called Pray. Uh, So i Maybe you don't know that song because you're holy. Um, But let me read a fraction of that song because it's really interesting. It says, maybe I'll pray. I have never believed in you, but I'm going to pray. You won't find me in church or reading the Bible, but I am on my knees and I'm begging you, please. I am broken Alone and afraid, maybe I'll pray. I pray for a glimmer of hope. Won't you call me? Can we have a one-on-one, please? Everyone prays at the end. Oh, I'm going to pray. Pray for a glimmer of hope. I never believed in you. No, but I'm going to pray. Don't you find that song both interesting and very sad? You know what it means to recognize that you are broken and alone and afraid and that you're in desperate need of hope, but that you're not even sure what you're praying to or who you're praying to, and you don't even know if the thing or the person you're praying to is good enough to hear you, is powerful enough to save you, or caring enough to help you. The first time I heard that song, I was weeping for this man. You know what it means to experience all of this and not knowing if this prayer counts for anything. This is a desperate man crying out for something, even not knowing if prayer works. And that's the difference between the Christian prayer and any other prayer. Because we know who we pray to. Verse 11 says that we pray to the Father in heaven. And we also know what the Father does. And that's the whole idea between verses 7 and 8. If you notice, he says, if you ask to the Father, He will give you. If you seek the Father... He will allow you to find. If you knock to the door of the Father, He will open the door. That's the difference between the Christian prayer and any other prayer. For the Christian prayer is not wishful thinking, you know? It's not doing something just because it's a religious thing to do. And this is what I want you to hear from this very first point. We pray... With certainty, because prayer is always a response to something that God has already revealed about himself in a Scripture. That was a long sentence. I stopped reading there for a second. The Christian prays because it's a response to something that God has already revealed about himself in a Scripture. Scripture. That's why we pray. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder anything about God. We don't have to pretend or actually convince ourselves that God exists. We don't even have to wonder if God responds because God has already revealed himself in scripture. He has already spoken in his word. And in his word, he has already showed us not only who he is, but what he does. That's why we pray. Because he revealed himself. So the Bible, for example, talks about four different types of prayer. It talks about adoration. It talks about thanksgiving. It it talks about confession. And it talks about supplication when you ask things of God. Did you know that the reason why we do every single one of those four Prayers, for prayers, is because God had already revealed Himself. So let me ask you this Do you know why we worship? And I'm gonna get this from our Christian confession, okay? The reason why we worship. Is because the Bible says that we have a God that is infinite in being, infinite in glory. He is the God of blessedness. He is the God of perfection. He is the God that is all-sufficient. He is the God that is eternal. He is the God that is unchangeable. He is the God that is incomprehensible. He is the God that is everywhere present. He is the God that is almighty, knowing all things. He is the God that is most wise, most holy, most just. That's why we worship. It doesn't matter if we got lights or not, people. It doesn't matter if we got the little smoke coming up or not. It doesn't matter if the church is cool or awesome. It doesn't matter if you have an awesome experience or if you don't. Our worship is not determined by anything but God alone. That's why we worship. Because He has already revealed Himself to us in Scripture. Do you know why we, are so, we should be so quick to confess our sins? Because the Bible says that He is the most Holy. He is the most loving. He is the most gracious. He is merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Do you know why we are quick to repent? Because he's quick to forgive. It's not about how you feel. It's not about whether you like it or not. We are quick to repent because that's God. Do you know why we offer prayers of thanksgiving? Because the Bible says that everything God does, does it in perfect wisdom. Because everything that God does, in everything that God does, is just and good and He's uh, an overflowing fountain of all good. Listen, I am convinced that the reason why we struggle with thanksgiving is because we don't stop to admire everything that the Lord has already given you. Today, at this time, 9.48 in the morning, you have 20,000 reasons why you should be thankful to Him. Because everything you are and everything you have in a, is an evidence of His grace. Do you know why we ask Things from him because he's the almighty, he's omnipotent, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to, however he wants to. Do you know why we ask things of him? Because he's sovereign, he's in control of everything, he's omniscient, he knows it all, he knows what happened, what could happen, he is the God of providence. He works everything together, always, according for His glory, your good, your joy, everything. That's why we ask things of Him. We're not begging. We know our God. Did you know that there are 650 prayers in the Bible? 650 prayers in the Bible, and every prayer is in response to something that God already revealed about Him. Out of those 650 prayers, there are 450 recorded prayers in which God answers. Do you know why that's important? Because we believe that prayer changes things. And God does listen. Did you know that there are five postures the Bible shows that how we should pray? Five. It tells you that we could pray sitting down, standing up, kneeling, one's face down to the ground, and lifting up hands. Do you know why that's important? Because what matters with prayer is not the physical position of your body, but the, the, the posture of your heart. This is what is interesting though. That many times your physical posture reveals the posture of your heart. Did you know that? You know that this is true. You know how? Because you have kids. You know how the physical posture says something about the posture of someone's heart. That's why we pray. When Christians pray to God. We pray as a response to something that he had already revealed about himself. That's why prayer is the most intelligent thing you could do. It's an intelligent response. To not pray is foolishness. This is why Tim Keller says that when we don't pray, it's an insult to God. He says that when we don't pray, is not to treat God as God. What is interesting about this first point here is that there's a requirement then for you. There's one requirement. If you want to become a person of prayer, you must know God. Actually, I would say that if you struggle with prayer, you might not know God. And if you want to know God... You must know His word. Listen to Eugene Peterson. The reason why our prayers so often fall flat or come out of stale is because they have been uprooted from the soil of the word of God. We struggle with, with prayer because we struggle with God, and we struggle with God because we struggle with, it, with His word. So I want to do it with you. And I want to do to you something that Charlie Dates, a pastor in the south side of Chicago, did to his church. To try to convince them, to try to convince this congregation that we have all the reasons in the world to adore, confess, give thanks, and ask uh, things from God. This is straight from his sermon. I don't know if I'm going to be able to read the whole thing. But this is what he says. If you want to learn how to pray you got to find the God in the book of Genesis that created everything out of nothing. you got to find the God in the book of Exodus that liberated his people apart from diplomacy and the Pharaoh. With the Pharaoh, with no army and no strategy. Find the God in Leviticus who made holiness possible for people who cannot make themselves holy. Find the God in the book of Deuteronomy. He gave them the law a second time because he knew that they would not get it right the first time. He's so good that he keeps on telling people the same thing because he's a God of another chance. In Esther, God uses a queen who did all she could to save her people. Even though she did not have a king who was worthy enough to wear a crown, Esther Esther as a woman saved the world where a man would have messed it up. That's what he says. First Samuel, we find that God rejected a tall, proud king because big things really do come in little packages. God doesn't, God doesn't have respect uh, to stature, but God can pick a small boy, boy like David and change the world. God doesn't look at the outside. He ain't concerned about how your hair looks. If you have a Louis Vuitton, but God is looking at the the inside because that's what matters to him. He's the God in Job, the one that lets you go through some things, but that he's so good that when he gets done with you, he will give you double for your trouble. That's a nice sentence. Let me skip some of these. He's the God in Matthew, the one that keeps his word by fulfilling it. In Mark, he's the God that heals the world. In Luke, he's the God that befriended sinners. In John, he's the God that satisfies the hungry. In Acts, he is the God that started the church. In Romans, he's the God that justifies the church. In Ephesians, he tore down the walls of the church. In Galatians, he fixed the broken minds of the church. In Corinthians, he got the wickedness out of the church. And in Revelations, he's coming back for the church. You see, this is the reason why we pray. Hey, if you're going to clap, you've got to commit. So let's clap to the Lord. This is the reason why we pray. It's not a religious thing. It's the most intelligent thing we could do. Let me explain it this way. When you know somebody, you know how to approach that person. I know that because I have two daughters. Listen, my, 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 both of my daughters, they know in which areas I'm a softie, like my wife says. And in what areas of my life, a no is a no. And you got to see these two girls in action, man. They know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it to get something out of me. But you know what's sad? That I like it. So, this is not a good parent lesson, but this is why I like it because they know me. They know me, and that's why they ask and seek and knock because they know me. That's why we pray because we know Him. That's why we pray. Because it's the most intelligent thing you could do. But prayer is more than an intelligent response. Prayer is a persistent dissatisfaction. Point number two, and the reason why I say that is because when Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, this is a present imperative. This gives us this idea that this is not a one-time thing, but that we're supposed to keep knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. We keep on asking, we keep on seeking, we keep on knocking until the door is open. But this is where we have to be careful, though. Because Jesus is not saying that we could just pray about anything we want. This is where the context of the text is really important. If you have been walking with us through this series, you know that the Sermon on the Mountain, it it describes what the Christian life is supposed to be. The way, if you're a Christian, the way you're supposed to live. So, for example, right at the beginning of the sermon, he calls us to consider ourselves to be blessed when things go right and when things go wrong. He calls us to be light and salt even when the world doesn't want it. He calls us to be obedient and faithful. He calls us to love our enemies and be generous. He calls us to, to practice a life of communion with God. He calls us not to store treasures on earth, but to treasure things in heaven. He calls us not to worry and to trust Him. And last week, by this amazing sermon by Will, He calls us not to be judgmental. Who can leave that? Who can actually leave that out? And it's no coincidence that the Lord Jesus talks about prayer right after all of that. Because this is what Jesus wants to teach us. That in order for us to respond to God's calling, we must learn how to pray. And if we don't pray, nothing will happen. Us wanting to live the Christian life without prayer, it's impossible. That's what Jesus is saying. Listen to Henry Nowen here. A spiritual life without prayer is like the gospel without Christ. That should make you feel guilty. The Christian life without the without prayer is like the gospel without Christ. Listen. When I was thinking about this, I was. Uh, kind of realizing that even with the things that I struggle with still, might be because I'm not praying. Might be because I don't keep asking and I don't keep knocking and I don't keep seeking. Might be, that might be the reason. Or maybe it's because I'm asking for dumb things. Listen to Nancy Guthrie here. We approach prayer... Not as a tool to manipulate God to get what we want, but as a way to submit to what he wants. Through prayer, we draw close to him in our need. We tell him that we will not insist on our predetermined positive outcome, but want to welcome him to have his way, accomplish his purpose. Let me summarize that really simple. Prayer does not change God. Prayer changes you. You could tweet that. Prayer does not change God. It changes you. This is part of our struggle as human beings, you know. We think that we can do it without God, even as Christians. We think that we could do it without God. That's what we inherited from Adam and Eve in, in the fall. Genesis chapter 3. You know that narrative? The devil comes and offers Adam and Eve a life against God and a life apart from God. The devil offered the possibility of a life of independence, self-improvement, self-advancement, self-redemption. And you and I believe the lie. And that's why we struggle with prayer. And that's why we must pray. Because we need to believe this. We must believe this. You cannot improve yourself, people. Self-discipline helps for a little while. You cannot fix yourself, people. It must be him working in you. I need uh, need him to work in me. By the power of his word, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, through the discipline of prayer. I need him to work in me. Keep on asking. He will give you something. Keep on seeking. You will find. Keep on knocking. The door will be open to you. Prayer does not change God. It changes you. Question. How do we know that that's true? How do you know that God will respond? How do you know that he, God will change things? How do you know? One answer, Jesus. And this is my third point. Prayer is a confident confession. We could come to God with with confidence because of Jesus. And we got this beautiful idea here in verses 9 to 11. Look at what it says. Which of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give you a stone? Or if you ask for a fish, will give you a snake? If you then, listen to this part, though you are evil, though you are sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And this is the reasoning here, an amazing argument. If you and I, as evil people, With our sinful limitations, with our sinful struggles, we know how to give good gifts to our children. What makes you think that God would not do even better? How much more our God that is perfect and holy, that cannot do anything wrong, how much more is he going to give you? How much more our God that is gracious and merciful... That sent his son to the cross to die for evil people. To adopt evil people. How much more is he not going to give you? How much more our God that is abundant in goodness. That was willing to sacrifice his one and only perfect son. To take the punishment you and I deserve. How much more is he not going to give you? Do you know how we know that God listens and God... And God answers our prayers because there was one prayer that God did not answer. And it was Jesus at the cross. You know what it means to live a perfect life, perfect communion with the Father at all times. And in the worst time ever, cry out to the Father and say, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And he got nothing. The only prayer God did not answer was Jesus' prayer. So when we pray, we always get an answer. Even if you don't like the answer. Do you know why we pray? Because it's the most intelligent thing you could do. Do you know why we pray? Because it's a persistent dissatisfaction. We don't change God. God changes us through prayer. Do you know why we pray? Because it's a confidence confession. We know that he listens. And we know that he's going to change things. Amen? How about if we pray? So he help us pray. Beautiful Savior, we come before you recognizing, Lord, that we are We are not the people that we're supposed to be. Lord, we recognize that so many times we we just don't stop to think and meditate on who you are and what you do. Therefore, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you make of us people that love your word and respond to your word. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you remind us time after time that we don't have the power to change you have to do it in us through your word through your word through the ministry of the holy spirit and through prayer and i pray lord that we always remember that it doesn't matter what we have done how much evil we have allowed how many wrong things we have pursued If we repent, we could always come to you. And the door would always be open. And it doesn't matter, Lord, how many times we come to you, you're always there. And you always listen. Lord, please make of us people a conviction. The conviction of who you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church says? Everybody, we stand and respond to the Lord?